go back in time. Go back. Get in your time machine. Go back to 1993 and talk to anybody. And, and while what? you're there, and while you're there, buy as many shares as you possibly can of Apple <laughs> at, at six dollars a share, which is where they Before were. Before it split eight times. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 115 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we have Tammy Coron down in West Tennessee. Hey there. And we have Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hello. Okay. So, uh, so first of all, let's start off. We have some MTJC uh, questions from this morning that people uh, posted for us. Justin Stanley asked us, what is... The one sticker pack that you love and use the most. Well, duh. Wow. Just write monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Hey, did you get a bump from last week's show, Tammy? I'm terrible at these things. I never look at my, my mm. stuff. I don't even know. Right. I should look. I could look now while you're all doing that. When a $10,000 deposit lands in your bank account and you're wondering why, <laughs> look no I further. Even, I don't even look there. It's terrible. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. money lands in your account. It's like, hey, no thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine, my favorite, um, I've downloaded a bunch, right? And I'm looking at them now. And funny thing, of course, I am not in the habit of using stickers in my messages. I just want to get the message out. But when I do send a sticker, it's Apple's built-in images uh, app, which I just love. I think it's uh, the most wonderful thing I have here. And I've got a bunch of cool pictures, but nothing beats the insertion of a timely GIF or GIF, I really don't care, into an iMessage conversation. And uh, so I, I use it actually quite a bit. So that's my favorite. So that's the, oh, those are those animated images that Apple puts in, right? Yeah, the, the images right. app. Cool. So Mark, have you uh, got a favorite sticker well, pack? The only, using? the only sticker pack I've ever downloaded is Tammy's Just Right Monsters, so I'll give her another oh, shameless plug. <laughs> 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 All right. And I'm just looking here on ten, on um, Jaime's tweet stream here. He was telling me about a sticker pack. I think the one by Ish. I've forgotten what it's called now. Oh, you're thinking of stamps, right? I've got uh, that too. Stamps. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. It's I'll like find that. approved and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's his. Yeah. And of course, really, the the first sticker pack I downloaded, and pretty much the only one I sort of use for fun, is is Cat Paint. You know, because of the cats with lasers. Yes, uh, Ish is uh, at Ish Z or something, I believe. It's called Stamp Pack, and stamp so pack. it's like it's like a bunch of words in sort of a stamp format that you can then drag and drop onto tickets or t- tickets. <laughs> you can tell I'm still got my head at work, but um, uh, into messages. All right, so next question is, are you mainly using object-oriented programming and still in Swift or mainly protocol-oriented programming or a mixture of both? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, uh, since everybody's jumping in at once, I am at work using protocols quite a bit. I think I've mentioned that before. So the answer is absolutely yes. And it's kind of a pickle. Oh, this is where uh, I got referenced, isn't it? Because... I saw this earlier That's today. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yes, because Justin mentioned that he knows I use it at work, but he's not sure if it's a game or a more traditional app that I'm working on. I am not at liberty to tell you that right now. 
<laughs> but yes, to answer the question, protocols. And uh, drive me crazy. Go ahead. So, Tammy, how about you in your pursuit of swiftness? Honestly, I haven't programmed anything in a little while, so I can't answer that. I'm boring. I've been I've been doing more scripting. Mm-hmm. Scripting in like what? Python, Ruby, Swift, Bash. No, throw Swift. them. Throw them. Come on. Swift. I've been wor- I've been, no, I've been working with metal stuff. Okay. So and you think of, of that as scripting? I can't really talk about what I'm doing. I'm okay, trying to fine. be cryptic. <laughs> it's not <laughs> working. I'm trying to Jeez. be misleading and cryptic. Yeah, scripting I tend, as I tend in writing. Writing like like words. Like, on like words. words. Yes. Phrases and sentences and paragraphs and stuff. Yeah. Um, for me, it's uh, depends on what I'm writing, but to, for the most part, um, uh, I do try to use protocols as much as I can. Like if I'm, you know, adopting a protocol, for instance, you know, like a table view or something like that, I'll tend to do like use an extension to extend a class. But um, it's a bit of a mix of both. I think probably probably still think in, in object oriented quite a bit. So, Mark, you've been doing some work on yeah an un- un- unmentionable thing, but you can. Yeah, you know, I've been working with the Accelerate framework, doing things like that. So it's 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 kind of neither. It's not really. Uh, I mean, it's it's closer to object oriented, I suppose, uh, than protocol oriented right now. But it's right. but it's really neither. Okay, we had one more question, relevant question. I guess it's uh, Steve Burke um, asks. He's looking for a app that does that's able to scan handwritten notes and diagrams from a notebook um, and use them so they can tag them later and search through them um but but in a private chat to me he said not uh evernote so have you guys got any ideas on that mm. not me yeah i like, I, I, guess. I think that um you know this is a problem that i i think about a lot actually uh this whole we're, we're on the margins between analog and digital worlds right now and a lot yeah. of people have notebooks or have used notebooks since before the iPhone came out and the iPad. So a lot of people have had to make choices about how they migrate or whether they migrate at all. And a lot of people have decided not to because the tools on iOS or, you know, or if we can just put it all in a single basket and say digital tools don't have or never have never had the elegance and simplicity of analog tools. And But at some point, everybody does have to kind of switch over, and this is why we get questions like this, and I, I see these questions all the time. The fact of the matter is, there really isn't a good answer that I don't think about. So I think you just have to get to digital as soon as possible and leave the analog behind, and maybe, yeah. you know, keep them keep them as, as PDFs, perhaps. Scan them and make them PDFs so you have them as archive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're you're going to have a very hard time, I think, finding, you know, a very good system that will allow you to treat your analog stuff as digital stuff. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I've been using PDA since the Newton first came out and, you know, went through the Newton and then had to switch over to the HP thing. I forgot what it was called. The, um, oh, the Palm Pilot. And then, you know, and but I still do keep a, a physical journal, and I do appreciate that they're difficult to search through. You know, I have to go through with a marker, magic marker like an animal and highlight the important bits. And, but I've been slowly weaning myself off of that. Uh, actually, during this podcast, I don't uh, take notes during the podcast on paper anymore. Now I, I use a notes app at least. And that, that way at least things are searchable and I can go back and re- look for them later on. So 
um, to put to Aaron's point, it is much more um, expedient to take notes in a digital form so that you can then reference them later because you can take advantage of Sherlock and even just a search feature within the, within each individual app. Right. So, yeah. Aren't there a lot of apps now that'll take your handwritten digitally handwritten notes and turn them into typed text? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, like the, like I said, the only one I know of is, is Evernote. And that's only if you have a subscription with them. Um, I never, I never, uh, I, you know, had the Moleskin books for a couple of years from that were tied into the, the cross promotion between Evernote and Moleskin, and um, I just never bothered setting up the the online account to try and see how that would work. But that because I, I, as far as I know right now, uh, the handwriting recognition needs to be done on a server, much like Siri. Kind of, we think Siri works right by by uh, sending our information over to Apple and having Siri respond. Right. So, am I wrong in thinking that? You mean, no, you mean for Evernote in, in particular or in general? Yeah, I was thinking of Evernote as an example. I don't, I haven't really heard of very many um, apps other than that. I mean, like the Newton used to do it, like I was saying, but but uh, that was a long time ago and right. a different technology, right? So, right, but it's and, it's not um, hard to imagine that that this kind of thing could be here pretty soon if it if it actually doesn't already exist. It might already. Is uh, it's basically a machine learning problem, uh, and and the handwriting problem has kind of been solved. Uh, now, in general, it's been solved. Now, for your own particular handwriting, that means you have to train your neural network either on your phone or, or send all your training information off the server and then have it come back. But that's not such an unreasonable problem these days. I mean, the phone's pretty powerful for this kind of thing. Uh, you know, people were doing handwriting recognition on, on much much smaller, less powerful computers than, than, a, than an iPhone 7 years ago and even training neural networks to do that kind of thing. So so it's not uh it's not unreasonable to think that this could exist. Uh the the tagging of diagrams, I mean that's a fairly well, it's it's a it's an easy thing to do with with manual intervention. In other words, if you are willing to tag all your diagrams once they've been scanned in, then then it's no sweat. But having it figure out what the diagram is maybe is a little bit harder of a problem much harder of a problem actually so you know it's it's an interesting that he that he brings this up and and it would be interesting to check to see if actually does this exist and if not now might be the time to start working on it because i think the technology yeah. is is if not here yet pretty close to being here to do it all on, on your phone yeah but there's there's a lot of like digital pens out there that you can hand write your notes on paper with these pens. I mean, there's, there's the live scribe comes to mind and Moleskin has one of their own. Um, and if, if I was to do that type of note taking, I think that's the way that I would prefer to do it because I have a lot of trouble taking notes on an iPad and I have a lot of trouble typing notes into a computer, although that's the current method that I'm doing right now. But I think, again, if, if I had to take notes on the fly in a meeting, you know, having conversations with people, I would consider looking into one of those digital pen options where you, yep. whatever you're taking goes in. And you're, again, you're writing on paper. Right. And, and that's what, this, what Steve Berg is actually asking for is if you have something that's handwritten, can you, is there software to scan it in and then uh, – once you have it in there, then do your searching and and, and all that on on the scanned notes. Well, this you don't uh, have to you scan. This goes right to 
the, the notes that you take that you hand write are yeah. digital notes. The, there's no scanning involved as far mm-hmm. as I know. And, you know, like yeah. I said, the light scribe is pretty good for that one. Yeah, that's great. Unless you, unless you have years and years of notes that you want to suddenly say you have all your notes from when you were in college. And you yeah, then you're, them, and then you're out of luck. Then you're out of luck. Totally right. out of luck. Yep. You put it next to your VHS tapes and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually how I interpreted his question. Um, and he actually included diagrams as well. So it's not just notes that he's thinking of. I can imagine like a, a, a typical analog notebook having a, a mix of notes and diagrams, uh, as I used to do prior to the iPhone's introduction, when I just gave it all up and went digital. Um, and so I, I am picturing a whole bunch of notebooks. And uh, that is a huge task. It's It's sort of like for people like me again, who have boxes full of old photographs, and they are not digitized. Yeah, and, uh, well. yeah, 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 and uh, there are people that that just don't really know even how to undertake that task uh, because it's too big, it's too much. Uh, another product that you might look at, though, Steve, is OneNote from Microsoft because uh, they have built-in handwriting recognition, and uh, it's possible that if you could get your scanned note pages into that, it might be able to convert the handwritten text. Hmm, interesting. But it's still, you're looking at a lot of effort here. But it, that said, too, I mean, as you saw with, with my iPad Pro and my Pencil, um, either one from 53 or the Apple one, you know, I'd still take notes in cursive uh, on, on these devices. And it would be nice if, if there was an option to digitally convert them like the Newton used to do, as I said before. Um, but actually, speaking of uh, f- photographs, like you said, Aaron, I saw an app, um, I meant to follow up on it a few months ago, I think it was on a Facebook ad, actually, which um, you could basically take a picture of a a photo album page, like, you know, in the photo albums, the old, day, old days, we used to stick them yeah. in there, and it would basically pick up each picture and scan it and turn it into a digital copy of that same image, so... Um, you know, I, I have a scanner I can feed fo- single photographs through, but, uh, you know, but if you have like those, those picture books, p- album libraries that people have, you know, like my mother even has stuff from, you know, the war days in black and white that, uh, would be kind of cool to get in digital format. You know, I, I usually just shoot them with my, with my, with my big giant iPhone camera, right? Cause it's a, it, the resolution on the camera on, on the iPhone, um, like the six plus and the six and the sevens is high enough that you're getting a decent size scan. Uh, even just taking a picture of a picture of a photograph. I just did a quick search on something and I came up with genius scan PDF scanner by Grizzly labs. And right. it's got some really great reviews. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, they had a last update October 10th, 2016. And it's, you know, almost five stars the current version with 65 ratings and almost five stars with all versions at over 8,000 ratings so that says something to how good this app probably is can you explain what it is tammy it is an app that they call it a scanner in your pocket legibly Thanks to powerful image processing, create multi-page PDF documents, organize and search your documents, share, save, whatever you want. Now, I have I, I have that app. I've had it for many, many years for scanning uh, receipts and things like that, which is what it was originally for, for me. Um, you know, if you have like a, a, a 
visa receipt or something and you scan it and then it makes it all black and white like a old bitmap scanner used to do and then you can send it off to your and it straightens it up too that's another cool thing about it right because um, if you shoot it if you photograph on an angle but again i don't know if it does uh, does it say that it does um recognition there tammy or i don't, or you're just talking about scanning yeah just scanning it doesn't I haven't read it enough to know that it does recognition, but I would imagine that if it does, that would have been something right up in the forefront that would have been like right in your face. Yeah. So yeah. I just did a search on handwriting recognition for iOS and it came up with something called my script, uh, which is, no, I've never used it. So I'm just kind of scanning the article here. Uh, it says my script smart note offers handwriting recognition both locally, directly on the iPad device, and various export functions, latex conversion uh, with an in-app purchase. Yeah, so uh, that's one to check out. I don't know any, anything else about that. There's something called Notes Plus, which looks like it just lets you draw sketches on the iPad, or, well, that's maybe not exactly what we want, but... Um, yeah, All right. Uh, you well, know, there's, okay. there's a bunch of stuff out there. Just do <laughs> just do a search on handwriting recognition software. Well, let's for bring iOS. it back, kids. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> we got this one covered. There, there are options out there. Uh, we don't have any personal experience with them, but uh, go try a few and let us know. Mm-hmm. Do we have other topics? We got some fu here, Tim. We do have some fu. Um, just a quick fu on the dash story. I was reading. Uh, came across. Uh, Capelli's blog, um, he, and he does uh, say this is as of I think uh, the middle of last week. He said that uh, it didn't look like it was going to be coming back to the App Store anytime soon. But he does have an option for uh, users of his product if they have a license that they got through the Mac App Store. Uh, he's got a, a web page here, and I'll link it to uh, a link to the article in the show notes, uh, where you can click on that link, and you you can migrate your Mac App Store license to a, a license that he will be able to distribute and support through his own website. So if you're a Dash user on Mac, you can continue to use the product and uh, look for upgrades later on. Unfortunately, the iOS product will no longer be available since he can't be on the store, and that's where it stands right now. Yeah, so um, it it should probably go without saying that the resolution to this whole thing came out after we published last week, uh, after we recorded last week more properly. So um, it does seem that he will not be coming to the App Store, but uh, at least he offered a final explanation and did make it clear that he was not exactly forthcoming in his previous attempts to explain why Apple was taking him out of the store. So in, in short... It was his mom who was doing the development on this other account that was linked to his and by his claim uh, had taken control of all his previous apps prior to Dash and had done unmentionable things to them, including rigging reviews. And it is not his fault. And it sounds like he may be a little bit estranged from his mom and didn't get involved too much in what was going on there. And he got booted out sort of by surprise because Apple never contacted him directly, just the other account, his mom. So that's his statement, and there has been nothing since in the days that have followed. I I said this last week because I just listened to the show, and <laughs> um, we're probably not going to hear much more about this. <laughs> I said that last week, and then we heard more. But you never know. Uh, it does seem like it's gone. 
That's an interesting thing. I guess he must have been. Is there an age limit on on how old you have to be to have a an account as a developer? Maybe he was underage when he first started developing. Uh, no, like it was his account at the start. Right. And then oh, he he created a new account for his mother. Right. He right. he used the same credit card to pay for it. Ah, right. Right. And that made so, the connection. Right. And that that's what hooked him up. Okay. All right. BuddyBuild is a mobile-optimized, continuous integration and delivery platform that takes just minutes to set up. Thousands of mobile development teams love BuddyBuild because it's the fastest way to distribute their apps to users and gather bug reports, feedback, and crash reports. Then, use built-in integrations for bug trackers and tools like Slack to seamlessly integrate that information back into their development process. With a simple screenshot, testers can send their feedback directly to you, along with important diagnostic details. If your app ever crashes, BuddyBuild will record the frequency, affected users, and traces back to the exact lines of source code that caused the crash in the first place. BuddyBuild gives you even better visibility into crashes with Instant Replay, a video recording that shows exactly what your users were doing when the app crashed, giving you the exact steps needed to repro the issue. BuddyBuild gives development teams like yours perfect insight into bugs and empowers you to iterate on your app faster than ever, knowing you're building an app your users love. Join the thousands of developers who have already added BuddyBuild to their development process. Try it free today at BuddyBuild.com. So, Mark, you have some FU for us? Several? Yeah, I have several. Uh First one is uh, we've been hearing rumors for a long time, and maybe even more than rumors, that Apple has been planning to develop a, or was was actually developing a, a car, the Apple car, and now it has come out that they've scaled back on their plans, and it sounds like they're not actually planning on, on building their own car after all, uh, which is not really too big of a surprise, considering Google did the same thing, and it's a pretty ambitious thing, very unlike the type of thing that a technology company typically does. You know, tech companies typically go for high margin, high volume, relatively low cost thing. Well, you know, a few thousand dollars maybe, but relatively low cost uh, items. Uh, and cars are much higher priced and much lower volume and much lower uh, margins and, uh, and typically have much more controlled sales channels. Uh, so, so it's probably not too surprising that that's the case. the 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 word now is that they're focusing on on software for cars. So maybe they're, they'll put more more uh, emphasis on CarPlay than they have been, or or, or uh, something like that. One thing that's kind of interesting is it it might actually make sense, make some sense of that rumor a few weeks ago about them wanting to buy that uh, that company over in the UK, the car company over in the UK. Uh, which didn't seem oh, McLaren. Make, McLaren, right? Didn't seem to make much sense at all, uh, unless it was just a, you know, we're Apple trying to do a a, a builder buy, builder buy type decision on this, and do we, considering all our options, do we want to kill the the car project? Do we want to continue building it on our own? Do we want to buy something external, uh, and just doing due diligence, seeing what's out there? That's it's a possibility, so it might make a little bit more sense of that, but. But you know, in any case, it all it all seems to have come to naught, and uh, Apple is apparently out of the car building business. I'm I'm a little disappointed in this. Um, mm. yeah, I'm just sad because I was really excited about what they might have come out with, 
had they gotten to market with this thing. Uh, obviously, I don't want them to get to market with something that's crap, <laughs> right? Um, I wanted to see what a successful process would have resulted in. And uh, so I'm, I'm a little sad about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But the, you know, the, the problem is that the, the risk involved is so high that the chances of them coming out with an unsuccessful product would have been pretty high. So, yeah. so from a business point of view, it probably makes sense for them yeah. to do this. Okay, the next two uh, are about the Mac. Uh, one of them is we sort of reported on this last week that uh, that there was a an event coming up and it turns out the event is on October 27th and they are planning to release all sorts of new Macs so and we don't we don't know too much about what's going other than what we can guess um, but uh, we will see what happens when they come out on the 27th. Yep, and it's called Hello again, which is I think they've used that before or. Well, sure. they've used the word hello on their Macs. Like the original Mac said hello, right, and yep, then the yep. iMac said hello again. And this is saying hello again. Now it could just, it could be a reference to those Macs, which would imply like a very large fundamental change in the Mac line, which seems incredibly unlikely. Or um, it's just, you know, you were just with us in September. <laughs> Come <Yeah>. back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah like, I don't know. Actually, Mark, I've never read the announcement. Sometimes a hello is just hello. Exactly. Thank you, Dr. Freud. Um, so did, did they, are they saying what they think it's going to be? Like just new MacBook Pros? But yeah. No, that's yeah, it. Yeah, pretty right? much. A, well, the one article I saw was predicting essentially a refresh of, of the entire lap, uh, laptop line, mm-hmm. um, as well as... Uh, new standalone 5K displays finally to replace oh, the, really? uh, wow. yeah, to replace the touch uh, uh, the uh, sorry the Thunderbolt display. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see anything about desktops uh, except that there will be no uh, Mac Pro, which is also a shame, but, uh, but not surprising at all. And no Mac mm-hmm. Mini as well, which is also not surprising. God, I, mean, I wonder it, if they'll uh, even say anything about them. Some of the rumors I heard, or rumors I saw today, was that the they think the 11 inch MacBook Air is going to go away, but they're going to keep the 13 and at, at the a lower price discussion, point. Yeah, yeah. The discussion yep. of the keyboard being uh, keyboards on the new Macs or some of the new Macs being more like the the low profile keyboard that you have on yours, Aaron. Um, and as well on the Airs, I heard that they're going to go, or some something. I think the Mac Pros are going to go to USB three with three USB ports and MacBook getting rid Pro, of the not SD. The Mac Pro, right? Yeah, the Mac Pro, yeah, MacBook, MacBook Pro, Pro. Yeah, the uh, getting rid of the um, uh, SD slot and uh, and and one or two Thunderbolt uh, ports as well. So, that, and that's based on some of the case designs that people have leaked out. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, seeing what what's out there. Okay. Yeah, and so, one question is: Will there be a headphone jack or not? <laughs> the valid question. Yeah. yeah. On the whole, it does appear to be an evolutionary update, not a revolutionary update. No, exactly. Yep. That uh, no one is sure. expecting. How do you so revolutionize in, laptop design at these days? How indeed, Mark? That is the question. So, yeah. So for those of you looking to interpret "hello again" in some big way cool the hell down <laughs> what's your final fu mark final fu is actually kind of an interesting one we've been talking about the mac uh, for a while now and this article today was an announcement that ibm 
is migrating its internal laptops or or, or uh, PC user, users to Macs on mass. Uh, the word is that by the end of the year, they will have replaced uh, 100,000, they will deploy 100,000 Macs for IBM employees. And it seems like there's a lot more coming. So it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, it, it makes sense given that, that Apple and IBM now have uh, a, a, a partnership doing enterprise uh, software to some degree. Uh, and But the, the main reason that they gave for IBM doing this is actually cost. Cost of, of, of maintenance. So they cost did a, support, a study, yeah. and, and you can look at the article and, and, uh, and see the results. Uh, it's no surprise to us, those of us who have used Max for a while, but but it's actually a lot cheaper to deploy and maintain Macs than it is PCs, Windows PCs, because they require less service, they less maintenance, less you know IT support, uh, and they last longer. So I think that's, that's great saying this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And for, and for <laughs> IBM to say this is a is a is a pretty big deal. It seems like a little bit further down, the uh, article talks about uh, the use of iOS devices versus Android, and it's 60% iOS as well. Mm. Um, but I can also say from personal experience, having supported, uh, back in my IT days, supporting Windows and Macs in the same environments, that uh, f- a way more support was required for the Windows side, just in terms of how clunky the software was or how unreliable the hardware was. You could have two identical machines, you know, with i5 processors and the same amount of hard drives, the same amount of RAM, and the performance between the two was was notably slower on the uh, on the PC side. And you know, I've even done some surveys with Mac and PC users in the same environment, and I was accused of doctoring the results because it always mm-hmm. came out that the Windows people felt that their PCs were slowing them down and holding them back in terms of being able to support their customers, whereas the Mac users never complained about anything really, except when they had to use a Windows machine. Oh yeah, well they didn't. That's the thing, right? <laughs> well, that's what they're going One one thing that I immediately noticed on this article is that there's 0.4 percent BlackBerry, which I didn't even know BlackBerry was still a thing at this point. <laughs> so th- even that it has it must that be the Canadian much, office. I, right. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, last I heard, they were. Are they past BlackBerry ten? Well, BlackBerry 10 remains their operating system. That's the one they're um, at. But that they're they're abandoning now, just now. They're abandoning in favor of Android. Okay. So they are going away then. Yes. Okay, yes. Good. But you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that by spending a day in Canada. Um you come up here and you will see Blackberries all over the place. Really? Well, not, would, not as many as you think, used to, yeah. Obviously yeah. not as many, but geez, uh, there, I there's not a day goes by that I don't see at least one. That's amazing. Yeah. You hands. never see them here. I'm sure. And why would you? But uh, here in Canada, the business world in Canada is so slow, uh, glacial about about changing their technology like this. It's, it's embarrassing. And every time I see one, I just shake my head. Yeah. I know but this is, is off topic here, but like BlackBerry had the mobile market and they let it go. And it, and I feel like you know, again, really off topic. It's kind of like blockbuster video completely blew the market on that too with netflix and hulu i mean they they were the place you would go to for entertainment blackberry was the place you would go to for mobile applications i remember having the the the, and even palm pilots right with the they were the first ones that i can remember where you had that whole wireless internet you know you you, the the uh 
Palm Pilot 7 where you flip the antenna up. I mean, these are these are folks who had the market on mobile and then boom, Apple came in and Android came in and these people just disappeared. They went the way of the the Betamax, you know. Yeah, they totally got cocky and, and but that but you see that repeat itself in in uh, market in markets all the time. I mean, the Harley Davidson's got beat up by the introduction of Japanese imports, right? Um, the car industry, the same thing. It just it seems like they they get their heads stuck in a certain mode of of business, and they can't they can't see around it. But you're totally right. Like Blockbuster could have totally gotten into. I mean, Netflix had the they started out as a DVD rental service. If not, you know, you basically it was a mail order thing, right? And right. All of these companies could have done the same thing. I mean, now look like, uh, like um, HMV is now dealing with uh, they have digital downloads and things like that as well because even their business is dying. A uh, horrible death of people just aren't buying discs anymore, right? So, but you're right. BlackBerry, you know, they had BlackBerry had they were killing kicking ass in security. Like you know, they they claimed to people had total faith in them as as a secure operating system because you know everything went through Waterloo and was locked up tight. Um, I mean, even when Obama was originally elected, he was a BlackBerry user and he made sure that all of his staff had Blackberries as well. And I'm sure now he rocks an iPhone, but. Uh, yeah. Well, they were so focused on the on the business market, the enterprise market, and their mistake was that they just never paid any attention whatsoever to the commercial market and and uh, you know, consumer Apple, the consumer market, right? Uh, so Apple went completely the opposite direction, and uh, BlackBerry's big mistake was thinking that that uh, that the consumer device could never penetrate into the into the enterprise space. But clearly they were wrong, right? The whole the whole bring your own device model seems to have won strongly. Yeah, for sure. I'll just draw your attention to a little link I put in the show notes, Tim. It's a Wikipedia entry to The Innovator's Dilemma, which is a book by Clayton Christensen, and a very well-established book that describes the thing that we're talking about right now, when large companies get knocked over by smaller upstarts and mm-hmm. the reasons why that happens. So if you're interested in that, you can check out that book um, right. if you want to read more about how it happens. But it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I by, just, by the way, that, the 0.4%, I just did some math and I checked my math this time for those who were <laughs> listening last time. Uh, yep. <laughs> actually, that, that may not have made it into the show. But anyway, for for uh, 0.4% for a company of, of 100,000 people, which actually I think is is bigger than IBM at this point. They're they're quite a bit smaller than that now. But just say a hundred thousand people, point four percent is only four hundred devices. Wow. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of them out there. No. Um, and and I wanted to just bring back one more thing too about this. Um, um, I wanted to yell, and I I'll try not to yell. I'll just say it much more calmly than I am thinking it in my mind. We've been saying this for twenty years, right? Mac TCO is less than PCTCO. Oh, yeah. And we've been saying it for so long now. Go back in time. Go back. Get in your time machine. Go back to 1993 and talk to anybody about Mac versus PC, and they will tell you that PCs are the way to go. Windows rules. Mac drools. Yeah. Yeah. And you would say something like, there have been studies done, there have been many studies done that show that Mac TCO is lower. Oh, well, I don't care. That study's wrong. It can't be. Windows is the best, and, and you're a dummy. Well, yeah. 
and, Guess and while what? you're there, and while you're there, buy as many shares as you possibly can of Apple at, <laughs> at six dollars a share, which is where they Before were. Before it split eight times. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And for yeah. those of you driving uh, driving at home, it's total cost of ownership. But yeah, you're right. I have had this argument. I've stopped having this argument with people, especially owners of businesses who just wouldn't listen, and you know, just you can't just can't help some people. No, but it was so, it's so maddening. Like I, I, I can't help but look at this article and, and just go back to that time and trying to talk to these people. Um, you know, they're, they're Microsoft lifers and I know, I still know a few of them today. People who, who make their living off windows technology, even though now it's like definitely on the wane, right? Um, it's just, it just maddening <laughs> drives me crazy. Yeah, it's true. Like you see, like I said before, in so many retail environments now, and I think I think it's products like Lightspeed out of Montreal that uh, allow this. You know, the to- they have the point of purchase software that runs really well on a Mac, and so you see more and more Macs in in retail environments and you iPads. Know, yeah, well, iPads. I see, yeah, I, I see iPads in retail all the time sure, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Restaurant restaurant menus and even even like as a little point of purchase cash register things and waitresses That's, taking yeah. taking orders yeah it's for sure it's great great uh, industry to be in, involved in totally mm-hmm. God I've I've personally I've worked on two or three retail point of sale systems for iOS just in my oh. in my consulting career as limited as that is yeah so it's it's uh, there's a lot of uh, solutions out there for that. So there's that. Um, is this FU, Tim? Yeah, uh, it, it put this, uh, the reason I put this is FU, this is a story written by Rob Lijama. I think he, we know him from, oh, uh, I, I, know, I met guy. him in Ennis North, but yeah, he's from, he's from uh, Taco occasionally comes to. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very like successful, <laughs> very successful independent developer, started, uh, basically started his own software services company. They've had a number of successful apps. I think he did something for uh, Toronto Zoo or something. I talked about him in the NS North episode, if you want to go back to like April and, and listen to that. I'm sure I have a link to him there. Um, but he wrote an article on Medium about how his – and one of the products they, the story is about is the Next Keyboard, which was one of the keyboard enhancements that uh, they came up with, um, you know, when, when, the key, when you could make keyboards for iOS. Um, and the Next Keyboard – Wait, you, you, know I mean? like, you say that like you still – you can't anymore. Well, uh, read the story. So, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, I just thought yeah. technically so, speaking. So he you was. Can. You know, of course you can. Of course you can. <laughs> okay, well, okay. I, and and sorry, we also, we've also we've also talked about our friend of the show, Marin, who who did a, a keyboard app and 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 quickly found that. In fact, he did a series of talks on how uh, Apple made it so difficult, and and similar to how you were complaining about the um, access to stickers, uh, the sticker store from the Messages app, how you have to click through 27 things. Well, to get a user to install a keyboard is is just as onerous in terms of like how many steps they have to go through to, to you know download the app and then enable the keyboard and blah 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 yeah. blah anyway yeah, yeah. it's actually way worse you know sorry to cut you off there but yeah you've got to enable keyboard extensions and and then go and choose the keyboard it's, it's way worse than the messages thing Right. So the the next keyboard that they came up with, it was a highly, you know, a, a great app that people really enjoyed and, and liked having. It was a better keyboard. I never actually got a chance to try it out myself. Tiny Hearts is the name of the studio that uh, Rob Lee uh, opened up, by the way. Um, but 
they've cl- they're closing down the app because at one point in time they were making twenty thousand dollars a day with this app and they're down to two dollars a day in revenue and they just, they just can't support it anymore so uh this post on medium and the reason i said it is a, is it follow-up is that i'm not sure if we talked about the next keyboard before but we have talked about this developer and we've talked about this studio before uh in right. our talk in our show you know and- I, I do think we've talked about the next keyboard before because right. I, I do seem to remember this. I didn't think that uh, that Robley was um, responsible for it, and I've you know met him at Taco, and we've we've had good chats, and I didn't know that he was responsible for the next keyboard. <laughs> yeah, he certainly is. Yeah. And next time I see him, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting story, but uh, you know, again, it's another another one of those. What do you call them? Uh, gravestone markers on our our way from being indie developers or you know surviving on the apple store as it were right so yeah no kidding it's sad it's hard it's really hard and um i don't think that uh i like and it's similar it's kind of similar in a way to the message app issue that we talked about last week that's why when i when i saw this tim i thought that it was follow-up to the iMessage app sort of discussion that we had because it is a similar problem. Um, we talked last week about the uh, what was it called again? The um, oh, phonies, phonies, the app, phonies, right? Yeah, uh, and it it went out at the number one position, and it was making it was making mad cash, right? So he ended up making a total of about twenty thousand dollars over the eight days that that app was alive. And uh, I believe Mark, you were saying it's too bad that we didn't let it, they didn't let it go out, and so to see that drop down to its no no doubt two dollar per day in revenue it's kind of the same problem right um how how does an app become a sustainable business because every time i see an app's performance over time it looks exactly like that chart at the top of this medium article you know big spike and then long tail of very very low revenue Right, but this is nothing new. It's always been that way, and it's yes, it is. Whether it's been a, whether it's a messages app or a, or a keyboard app, uh, I think the the issue, well, just my take on it. The the issue with the keyboard app is that once someone's got a keyboard app, what? How else do, do you as a developer make money off that person? It's pretty hard to sell an app purchase for a keyboard app or or put advertising in a keyboard app, and <laughs> and there's only a certain percentage of people who are ever going to buy a custom keyboard app and there's competition right so so your your market is is kind of a ceiling on how how well you can ever ever do with a with an app like a, a custom keyboard it seems yeah, to me that's that's kind of what i would think i was getting at here is there is very little in the way that you can continue to make money off of something like this when um you know like <laughs> Just like a message app, though, it's it's really hard to put it in front of users, but there's also no no definite business proposition going forward other than we're selling this $1.99 piece of software that you pay for once. That That is dead. You can't do that anymore. And so it's time to, to cash out. You made some great money on it. Jeez, look at that. And <laughs> um, now it's time to invest that into something that is going to be more sustainable. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I would, I would call this a... A failure. I, mean, I, I don't know how much yeah. they. I don't know how much they actually spent on developing the app, and and how much they actually made total. But but it seems like they probably, unless their expenses are really high, they probably at least broke even on this. So uh, so I don't know that it's a failure. It's it's 
it's it was never going to be a twenty thousand dollar a day indefinitely kind of app. Right. It was, yep. it was just never that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Also, yes. <laughs> yeah. You're also. Did you say yes? Uh, t- I yes. did. I'm with you. Yeah, okay. I'm hip to your jive talk in there, Mark. <laughs> the uh, Tiny Heart Studio is also the makers of the Wake Alarm app, which uh, has been featured in Apple commercials and a number of other things that they've done as well. So. No, oh, these guys guys have done pretty well for themselves. Yeah, well, they did pretty pretty notable work. I mean, like I said, that's they were they were at Dennis North as an example of a, of a, a somewhat of a success story, at least for a Canadian developer, which is kind of hard to do up here, right? So, yep. Anyway, that's the follow up on the next keyboard. Hmm, I'm just noticing here. There's no actual topic for today's show. There's no topic. It's, well, what happened the, this it's week? The, it's the FU. Well, the only the, the big story this week is is uh, next week uh, new Max. New Max. Yeah. What else can we say? We we're all in the holding pattern, right? So, does anybody plan it. on buying one if it's like something they really want? <sighs> or are you guys all Insta set Insta well, buy? Are Insta. you kidding? Really? Really? No. Didn't I'm you not just kidding. buy one two years ago? It's uh, It hasn't been two years. It's been about a year and a half I've had this MacBook, and I believe I've complained about it recently. Yes, you have. Fact yes. of the matter is, I'm dying to get a new computer. This this one yeah. is so... It's killing me lately. It's killing me. I can't handle it. Yeah, there was a conversation on our Slack channel today. Some people are still using Macs from 2009, you know. Um, oh. Yeah, we saw some quite some... Long, a lot of them long in the tooth, so... Mine's yeah. a 2013... Yeah. And yeah. uh, it, it yeah. feels like it's getting a little, little bit old now. But, but I don't know that I'll run out and get one right away. Yeah, it depends. It depends. I mean, it, for a lot of people, it's a it's an expensive option if they don't have a you know business to support it per se, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I used to when I was running my own company, I basically would you know wouldn't blink at buying one, you know. But uh, but I was well, I was always able to flip my older older ones as well, right? So get some get some recoup money because the one thing about Macs that we can say that PCs don't have as well going back to our earlier talk is the fact that there's a re- good resale value on Macs you know, part of the TCO re- yeah they tend to retain their their value for sure yeah yeah i honestly i've never never been in this position before with a Mac uh as long as i've been in the consulting business i've always been on a very regular two year cadence uh, so I lease my equipment, the lease comes up in two years, I trade it in or sell it, and then I get the new stuff. It's just this time, I feel like I made a mistake in acquiring this MacBook. As much as I like it, and as much as it's a beautiful piece of hardware, it is becoming increasingly laggy. The performance has just diminished so noticeably that um, I'm really having a hard time with it. Like, you know, like I use it every day. But I'm feeling this pain every time Which I. Which one is that, I do that you have? Or? It's the original. It's the original MacBook 12 inch. Mm. Um, you know, and and of course everybody said that about it that it was it was slow. Uh, it had the performance characteristics of a 2013 MacBook Air, <laughs> right? And uh, I had owned one of those, so I thought, okay, that's no problem. And when I first had it, it wasn't a problem. Like, Xcode ran fine on it. Obviously not as fast as my 5K iMac, but workable, fine, no problem. It's just in the last two months, I would say, and maybe it coincides with Xcode 8, but it seems that 
yeah, like th- that's essentially what I use this thing for. How big is your hard drive? You're on Sierra too, right? It's a half terabyte, Mark. Is it, is and, it mostly full or? No, no, not even hmm. close. Hmm. Yeah. No, I've got 300 gigs available. And, and how much right RAM? Uh, maxed at eight gigs. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess it, it was never really meant to be a development machine. Right? No, it was, that's true. It was a, <laughs> you know, general purpose machine. So. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, I understand that, obviously. And I, I did... You know, I walked into that with my eyes open. It's just, it seems to be the diminishing capability of the machine in, in recent weeks slash months hmm. that has really, uh, really kicked me in the butt, I think. And so I, I think I'm definitely going to make the have move. Have you done a malware when, scan? Uh, I have not. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah, there's, a few, that. there's a few uh, tools you can, free tools you can download. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll maybe look at that. So that's that's where I'm sitting, um, Tammy. To answer your question, if um, I think I think what I might do is assuming that there's going to be a new MacBook Pro, either the 13 or the 15 inch one, I'm going to get that one. That's going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking, Tammy? Are you going to get one or no? No, I'm I'm out of money. <laughs> I'll be out of money for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, aren't we all? I will get mm-hmm. one. It's just a matter of whether it's. It, it probably won't be uh, immediately, but probably you know before the springtime, I'll probably get one. Yeah, for me, fortunately, I I, I maxed out my uh, my MacBook Air when I bought it, so it still has some some legs, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it's only got eight gigs of RAM because that's the max you could put in it, but it's a i seven processor, so yeah, still pretty zippy. Mind you, unlike Aaron, I mean, mind you, Aaron, you're using your Mac, your iMac as your primary machine, like for uh, your backups of your devices and stuff like that, right? Um, yeah, cause, yeah, cause yeah. I I have like no room on my. I have a 500 gig hard drive as well, and and I generally have less than 20 or 30 gigabytes of space available on at any point in time. So, and it's mostly things like you know Xcode and library and stuff like that. So, very strange. Oh, yeah. Did you? I'm sorry, Tim. Did you say that was a MacBook with eight gigs of RAM? MacBook Air. MacBook Air. Oh, sorry, Air. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's the max you can get in your guy in the little mm. MacBooks? This this one was eight. Um, uh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm not I'm not sure if if the current one because mine's now um, it's the original and then they they refreshed it last spring I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, with so a faster I've got a, processor. I've got a MacBook Pro 15 inch uh, from 2013 with. With an i7 and 16 gigs of RAM, uh, and uh, 750 gig drive. So mine, I mean, mine seems still pretty, pretty good. I, I haven't noticed any real degradation with Sierra or with Xcode 8 in, in terms of performance. Um, Xcode 8 still has beach balls spinning more than I'd like, but but other than that, you know, that's that's an Xcode 8 thing as opposed to the hardware, I think. Mm. Yeah, I have I have at work I have a 15 inch like you with a i7 and one terabyte drive, mm-hmm. and it's still pretty zippy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll I'll add to that by saying that I have my iMac 5K which I use every day as well, yep. and it has been rock solid. Yeah. So my guess is that it's the 16 gigs of RAM versus the 8 gigs of RAM that's the the biggest factor. Oh, right. for sure. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's 16 in the iMac. That's true. 
Yep. So coming back to the announcement, so are we? Uh, we had a refresh of the iMac, the 5K iMac that you have, Aaron. One that came out uh, 18 months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, my my iMac is not the current one. Okay. Uh, it's been updated since I purchased. Okay. Yeah. What What I mean though is, yeah, you, but yours was the first sort of generation of the of the 5Ks, right? I think. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, are we expecting the iMacs to be upgraded in the in the announcement in a couple of weeks? Nobody's nobody's mentioned that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so hmm. it, it by all appearances anyway, it's going to be a mobile only event. Right. Which would right. Be very disappointing. I mean, <laughs> especially if you're if you're an adherent to the Mac Pro, you know, which came out with such fanfare three uh, years ago. We're not going to see a Mac Pro. I know, I know, and that's that's that one came to me. Out that's in, what, very disappointing. 2012, something like that. The Mac Pro, yeah, that was, and that was after like almost six years or, so, yeah, or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's super disappointing. Where are you? You want you want to do picks? Sure, let's do some picks. Because I have one now, so it's not like oh, a pick free. So it's not like you're. Uh, yeah, did we cover everything else? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, should we do Tammy first or Aaron first? Well, Let's do Aaron. Tammy, we always, do, we always do Aaron first. Oh, okay, fine. We'll do me. Uh, she likes to say age before beauty. I do. Hmm. I do. In this case, Aaron's uh, way prettier than I am, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of confusing. Okay. I don't even know what to make of that. <laughs> so, a compliment. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Right. You know how much of a hit I am with the ladies, Tammy. Oh, I know. Um, I know. That's <sighs> a tough. Wait till you day. get that new MacBook or that new Mac. You are sure to be a shoe in. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so here's my pick. <laughs> uh, I haven't actually used this. It just came out, well, actually it came out last month, but I only learned about it yesterday and had a quick look. And it looks really interesting. And this is uh, the kind of app for the Mac that I think um, is, is a super cool idea to have developed. And so this is called Table Flip. And it is, hmm. it is um, marketed as the Markdown Table Editor. You're familiar with Markdown, which is the super easy way to write HTML using the syntax of plain text. So um, Markdown converts to HTML, and you write it like using special characters to indicate... Uh, bolds, underlines, hyperlinks, headings, lists. You would do it just as you would if you were typing an email in plain text. And this this is a processor that converts it into HTML. Well, Markdown super popular. People that write things use Markdown all the time. Um, if you use, say, GitHub, you are using Markdown more than you think. So uh, Table Flip app addresses one particular problem with Markdown. Tables in Markdown are very difficult to do properly and Mm. because it's you know you have to you know use pipes and dashes and make sure everything's lined up and that is decidedly non-trivial so what this fellow has done and i have no idea who it is (laughs) let's start right there no idea um christian titsi um i don't know what the name of his company is he's just christian titsi in England? I'm going to say England. Yes. Right. Wrote this app, which is basically like a spreadsheet app. It's the very simplest spreadsheet app that you could imagine. You can have headings, you can have uh, columns and rows, 
and it's super simple. So like if all you're looking for even is a spreadsheet app, which is brain dead simple, then you can use this to do that. But where it really comes in is that its file format is Markdown. And so while you're editing in a GUI, well, your the document you're spitting out is a Markdown document. It's plain text. So you can um, edit your document in this and then go to File and Open with Default Editor. And Default Editor is whatever you've got set on your Mac to handle Markdown.md files. Okay, um, In my case, that's TextMate. And so I can edit this document in table flip and then i can hit command e command shift e sorry uh, under the file menu to open it in my default editor and i'm looking at the same spreadsheet that i'm looking at visually in that document i can open it in TextMate, and i can see it laid out as plain text as a beautiful plain text table super cool and then if um you need to export that into html then you just run it through a Markdown processor along with the rest of whatever document you've got, and you've got HTML. So give it a look, tableflipapp.com, and you can download a free trial. And it is, the cost, I will tell you in a moment, it is $25 Canadian and 75 cents. So I'm guessing about 20 bucks. 1899 that's what it is, 1899 US. Tableflip. You were going to say something there? I was going to say I like Aaron twice as much now because I didn't know you used TextMate. So hats off to you, man. I use that a Hells lot. Hells yeah. Yeah. TextMate for life. And I just downloaded the demo of Table Flip. So thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I'm going to try this out because I really, I do everything in Markdown, although I do use ByWord for my Markdown files for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, hang on a second. We're waiting. So, while she's so, doing did, that, that... Yes. <laughs> something opened up and started playing music in my ear and totally distracted me. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I was going to say, Aaron, I asked Jaime on a, another podcast uh, a week or two ago about what the what the promise of Markdown was. And you and you just sort of said that it... Was it intended to be something that would convert easily to HTML? Is that the yeah, original goal Yeah, that's the idea. It? Yeah. Okay. So like if you're a blogger, that's the idea here. Um, that's why it, it was written by John Gruber. You know him, right? Daring yes, Fireball? Sir. I've heard of him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little known internet, internet celebrity, John Gruber. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really intended for bloggers. So anybody who wants, to, who wants to write sort of long-form text for a blog can write in Markdown, and it handles all of the formatting for you uh, by turning it into HTML. Um, and the idea was like, you, you, if, if you remember back in the day, like way back in the day when you wrote emails, which were all used to be in plain text or newsgroup postings, which of course were also plain text, uh, you would have, you would adopt certain, uh, semantics to give your text emphasis, to give it the properties of a formatted text document within the confines of a, of a plain text document. So you would say type a title and then underneath it, you would just type in a bunch of hyphens, right? And then you wanted to make a list, like a bulleted list. You'd use asterisks, right? You create a list item, put an asterisk in front of it, next line, asterisk, and then that's right. that's an unordered list, right? Or if you wanted an ordered list, you would actually type numbers, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so Markdown kind of takes that concept and applies it to pretty much anything that you do in HTML to give you sort of a formatted 
document. Of course, then you can what you can do is apply a CSS style sheet to it, and you're off to the races. So that's that's what Markdown is all about. And now it's been adopted for much more than just blog editors, of course. Sure, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, GitHub is one place, you know, or any uh, version control system. Um, anywhere that you put, you know, anywhere there's a text field, um, like Stack Overflow takes yeah, Slack, Markdown. Slack. Uh, yep. Slack takes it. Uh, Pivotal, the tracking ticket tracking system that I'm using at work, uh, it takes Markdown. Uh, Markdown's everywhere. Um, authoring system, CMSs, you name it, it takes Markdown. Markdown is ruling the world. It's crazy. Like it really is crazy, how how um, how how much it's everywhere. There's a word for dis- for that, but I can't remember what it is right now. Prolific? Th- no, not prolific. Um, that means doing a lot. Ubiquitous. Oh, Ubiquitous. Love you, Mark. I just want to kiss you. That's okay. And apparently, I'm I'm yeah. I'm really good with the ladies. So wow. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm glad we've been able to improve your, your disposition today on this podcast. Yes, some, some days, Tim. Live on the air. I've been transformed from uh, the doldrums, the utter don't doldrums. Don't go there, don't go there, don't no, go there. No, not going there. Now I feel, like, awful again. There's, <laughs> some, there's no hope for anything. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, Table Flip is super cool, and you guys should check it out. Tammy, All what's right. your pick? My pick is Animation Pro on the iPad. I believe you. Yeah, it's really super simple. It's not overly expensive. I think what it's like nine ninety nine. It and is in fact ten dollars. Yeah, so I recommend that. Now, I, that's all I have. <laughs> I'll be using it for a project that I'm working on. I think, um, along with some other tools. But I think here's the thing: I'm I'm leaving for uh, Ireland in like a week and a half or something. And I'm considering not taking my computer, but I didn't want to stall on this project that I'm working on. And I don't have access to Mega Studio EX, which is what I've been using for all of my stuff. So I needed something else to do concepts and things like that for the animations that I'm working on. And uh, my mother, Elaine, was telling me about this particular application, right? Because she's always using things like that. And uh, so I downloaded it and liked it. And there you go. That's what I'll be using. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> why, why do we now know your mother's name? Because she's, she's cool. She's a co-host. Yeah. She's a co-host on Roundabout. And, and, oh, uh, is she? Okay. Yeah, and, the, and the two of them started a, uh, uh, what do you call it, bulletin board service back in the day mm-hmm. uh, together. Yeah. Do, do you call her Elaine? Sometimes. <laughs> I can't tell you what I actually call her because once, well, look, once you have children. It's a family-friendly show. Well, uh-huh. no, no, no. I don't call her names like that. But she, we, when, when the kids were born, we changed her name. So now she goes by Grammy in the house. That's, that's what she goes by. Mm. Yeah. I remember one time, talk about off topic, uh, my husband and I worked <laughs> together in an office. And when we had kids, you know. When you're a new parent, you call each other mommy and daddy. And he just started that day working at the office I had been working at for like a year. And he, he was sitting next to me. And all of a sudden, he says about as loud as you can get, hey, mommy, do you have a stapler? I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Wow. <laughs> so embarrassing. Anyway, that's it. I'm done. 
So listen, I know we're kind of kind of short on topics today, but I did want That's to talk okay. to you. No, I want to talk to Tammy about where she's going to Ireland. Why are you going to Ireland, Tammy? Oh, I'm. Why don't you tell, don't you tell us our jealous co-hosts and, and listeners once they find out where you're going? I'm yeah, speaking going. at Ool in uh, I guess it's what November first and second. I'll be I'll be mm-hmm. the speaker there. Going to meet some really fantastic and creative individuals. I am a storyteller. And along with some fantastic other storytellers, we're just going to have one heck of a time in Killarney. And uh, it'll be my first trip overseas. I, I Just getting a passport gave me anxiety so that the trip itself will, will be a lot of fun. And if I can have the listeners know one thing, it's do what you can to get beyond your fears because otherwise you'll limit yourself. If I had allowed my fears to dictate the yes or no to the invite, I wouldn't be going. That is right. too true. Congratulations. I'm, uh, I am jealous. Uh, I would love to go to Ool, whatever mm-hmm. that even means. And I, I've seen it pictures. It means Gaelic. It means Does Apple it actually? And, yep, yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, well, now I know. So I'm still jealous and would, uh, <laughs> like, would love to go to that one sometime. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about Ool. Yeah, but Ool sounds like a fabulous conference to go to. I saw, um, that's why I discovered Periscope last year. Uh, Rene Ritchie was per- periscoping from the train and from the conference itself when they had the reception. And uh, it's an interesting thing. We talked to Dermot Daly a couple of weeks ago, and he talked, they've, um, they have a, a, They've booked a train to take you specifically from Dublin to Ool's. Good. Aaron. Yes, Tammy. I am looking at a very beautiful table right now in Markdown. Wow. There you go. See? It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It is. You have to send us a screenshot for our our podcast. Uh, Certainly. All right, folks. Yes, that is all. That we that is all for the week. We will see you guys next week. And it's unfortunate, too. It's unfortunate right. that even next week's show, we won't be able to talk about the Max. Right, right. We'll, find, we'll have to find something else to talk about. Hmm. 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 Okay. All right, folks. Until next week, we'll say goodbye. Oh, wait. Before we do that. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Hang on a second, Aaron. If Whoa. people wanted to get a hold of you on the internet, where would they look? Oh, do we have to do that part, too? <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, only so many hours in the day, Tim. Mm-hmm. So quickly, quickly, go to twitter.com slash Aaron Bay. All right, and Sammy, if people want to find you on the interwebs. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Paradox927. All right, and Mark? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. Right. All right, that's it, folks. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening.
Hey, Tim, I think you forgot yourself. And I'm Tim oh. Mitra, T-I-M-I-T-R-A, oh, and I'm located in Toronto, Ontario, and you can, you know, see you next week, and bye-bye. And that, no, that's how you do it. But oh, that, okay. you screwed up something fierce. Oh, well. But that's okay. That's okay. But we didn't have, Nobody uh, minds. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. And scene. <laughs> And scene, right? Yeah. So there's another show. It's like we're we're seasoned pros at this, Tim. We we've got this. Except for the fact that so we, yeah. in the bag. Well, I was going to say I saw a confusing screenshot on. I'm not sure what it was supposed to be, but it was you know the Hello Again ad, but on two iPhones, which I thought was kind of a strange place to have that. And then I I'm saw sorry? the yeah I saw I saw a picture. I'm just trying to find it here. In your Twitter, Twitter feed that Twitter Farley screen. posted, he was he it did Farley? That, I think. Yeah. Evo Farley. Never mind. That's nothing to do with anything. Farley. Yeah, he's trouble, that guy. You should watch out for him. Perfect Farley. Where are you? you, want, you... And we just got back in time for me to take out the garbage and then get here and start recording. So that's that's it, folks. That's how it works. That's uh, that's inside baseball. That's how the sausage is made. Yep. Mm-hmm. As Jaime like to say. Now, now, okay. Tammy, you're here? I am here, yes. Good evening, Tammy. How are you? I'm good, Aaron. I already uh, know how okay. how you are because you, you just said yeah. it. So, <laughs> and uh, and Mark, good good evening to you. Hey, Aaron, sir. how are you? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> where where the hell is Mr. Lopez, and why haven't I spoken to him in like weeks? Well, this is this is this is his first week at the job, so he's doing orientation this week, right? So, so what what was his excuse last week then? Something about talking too much and and had sort of a laryngitis thing going. So oh really? I yeah. Didn't so realize. Tammy was a last minute replacement. So thank you very much, Tammy. You're welcome. See her curtsying in front of, in front of the microphone. Um, you yeah, see good. me curtsying in front of the microphone. <laughs> I, Which I one of us is drunk now? <laughs> well, I think the answer to that is all of us, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Clearly. Uh huh. We okay, can dream, Tammy. We can dream.